You're listening to And what is poppin' everybody? You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club episode 159. My name is Marvin Yu and join me as always to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days. We have the once in the future professional Asian American Jess Jew. What's up, Jess? Hey Marvin. How's it going? Uh good. Good. It's really hot now. Um, and and I'm just trying not to die in the sun. I've gone full Asian auntie mode. I bring an umbrella when I step outside, and I do not apologize for that. They ha- they knew what they were doing. At least you're not going to Vegas this weekend, where it's going to be like 110 degrees. I am yeah. going to Vegas. Oh no, this weekend, <laughs> but for like family things and not for like wild things. Mm, well, how did um how did Chowder how did your dog Chowder survive um Fourth of July? Well, I oh. force fed him a bunch of CBD oil for oh. pets. And, you know, we kind of just sequestered oh. in our bedroom, which is a little further away from the noise. But my goodness, you know, L.A., 4th <laughs> of July. It sounds like Fallujah out there. It- uh, but overall, I think he was okay. Um, better in past years because we're in a new place, right? And, and in past years, I think we were just like very, there was no hiding from the sound. Like we were right there. Um, so yeah, we just kind of chilled. I, I put, you know, I put a fan on. I think we were watching some very oh the Otter Dynasty, which is not my what's popping because it's a little too weird for me to truly grasp what's going on. Um, but you know, we're just blasting things on Netflix to kind of distract him. He fell asleep, <laughs> mm-hmm. so it was it was chill. That's nice. I'm happy uh, for him and you. I also had to turn on the AC and the volume up because my cats are also not freaking out. Oh, no. about but that's, this has been going on for two weeks because they I bet you also tonight they're going to have fireworks. Yeah, I and I, I like look, I, I understand like, you know, dog owners, pet owners, you know, we all kind of hate Fourth of July. But like, I get it. Like, I'm not going to be like the for the July Grinch and be like no fireworks. But like, come on, after July 4th, you gotta fucking stop. Like, it's not <laughs> even a weekend. Like, I'll even give you like July 4th is on a Saturday and you do it on a Sunday. I'm like, fine, whatever. But like. It's a fucking Wednesday. We're on a we are in a midweek. We are in a work day. Like, stop blowing shit up. I mean, if there are unexploded fireworks, do they really exist? Yes, and they just and then the cops <laughs> grab them and then detonate them in majority black neighborhoods, and it's really bad. Um, but yeah, like, just 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 stop, everybody. Like, I, I will give you the socially, you know, allotted holiday time, mm-hmm. but like, stop being a dick. Be nice <laughs> yeah. to your neighbors. Yeah. Uh, also joining us, as you've heard, is the most professional of culture editors, Han Win. Hey, Han. Hey. <laughs> hey. Well, I'm glad your cats made it through Fourth of July as well. <laughs> I forgot that uh, there are other animals that get affected by the boom booms in the sky. Yeah, I wonder yeah, how. Cat, like, I always thought cats were so chill. Uh, they don't like loud booms that sound like it's gonna like come into your house. So, yeah, I, I wonder how like animals outside are. You know, like the squirrels and the. So they probably think the, the world's ending and like literally fireballs in the sky. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's harrowing. Mm-hmm. Even <sighs> like without seeing the fireworks, like it was just a constant booming. It sounded like oh yeah, we like, had the hot, we had the high pitch pew. Also, oh and the I'm piccolo just, peats, they're yeah. terrible. Oh my god, just like the whole night, and I was just thinking, how am I going to sleep? But eventually, <laughs> like around 10:30, it stopped. So that was good. Yeah, I mean, we did a last minute target run before coming home from my family's barbecue thing. 
And even inside the Target, we can hear the booms going out on that side. Yeah, I probably should have left a little earlier, but it wasn't even dark yet. And I'm just seeing all these like fireworks go off at the respective city parks and stuff. And I'm like, can you wait? Like, like wait till it's dark. It's your best ROI, you know? Like, <laughs> like I know this is a pretty because like how expi- how expensive are fireworks? They're like kind of expensive, right? Um, the good stuff is. Right? Yeah. Like the good stuff is like the so you would spend on like a mid-size sedan. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, don't you want the like best like view in the dark? Can you give me like 15 more minutes? But um yeah, it's 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 one of my lesser beloved holidays in the American calendar. <laughs> I think the oh. Yeah, yeah, it's not my favorite. Yeah. I, I think it's up there for different reasons with April Fool's Day, which I hate so much because uh, I don't like pranks because they're usually mean spirited. They're not usually actually funny. <laughs> huh. Well, we're not here to discuss Fourth of July fireworks, although we just did for about five minutes. <laughs> uh, we're here to talk about past lives, the new film from A24 that's been all the rage these past few weeks, kicking off Asian film summer 2023. Um, but before we get to that, Let's find out what pop culture is picking us through this week. Uh, let's start with Jess. What's popping? So as part of my long weekend festivities, some of my friends came down. It was their birthday. And, you know, we are all in our like, like solidly in our 30s now. And and but birthday boy wanted to go to Six Flags Magic Mountain, a, a, a venue, a, a entertainment park. I have not personally been to since I was in high school. I believe the last time I went, Tatsu just opened. <laughs> wow. So I can Google that. Uh, Tatsu. No, not the ramen place, Google. <laughs> um, like but let me tell you, it was I say. 2008 was probably the last time I went. Um, it, and I, I remember why I do not go. It is, number one, very hot in Valencia, where this park is. And, you know, the mantra of the day was really, this is not Disneyland. This is not Disneyland. There's not a lot of shade. Uh, there's not a lot of uh, help around, shall we see? There's not a lot of um, efficiency. Uh, parking is like Mad Max. Oh. And then they make you walk to the park. Um, and then I went on a grand total of two coasters before I was like, oh, my God, I need an Advil because <laughs> I feel like I have been in a made minor car accident um, because you know, I went on X two, which the best one, yeah, spins. People love that shit. We, oh my god! And they, like every single ride was running maintenance one coaster, so the lines are doubly as long. And like I get, so I was like, okay, I wasn't planning on going um, on this ride, but like since I waited so long, I was like, now I have to. And oh my god, I, I feel like a, I felt like a battered wife. I was just like, oh, I did not expect. I was ready for like I'm not scared of the lips or anything i'm typically not even like someone who gets motion sick but i was not expecting just being like thrown around in my seat at one point my legs just like started flopping and it hit every single like part (laughs) of the harness and i'm like this is very painful um did we used to do this for fun i don't remember feeling that and maybe maybe you were when's the last time you've been to six flags um yes probably I want to say 2018. Okay, that's fairly recent. And you went on all these rides and you were fine? Yeah. My now wife probably wasn't as fine, but I was having a good time. 
Yeah, I don't know. It was just, um, you know, I'm glad I went and you know experienced the friendship. But it, and it is very much cheaper, I will say, than the other parks. I got basically it a is. season pass. My main, like, yeah, my main concern with Six Flags these days is just because like the popularity is like we're not like back in like the 2000s. Six Flags was super popular with like, especially with like our generation because we were all thrill seekers. But these days, I feel like it's not as and. They've notoriously have had like financial difficulties this past decade. So like the reliability or faith in reliability of those rides are like not as high as they used to be, at least for me. Uh, I mean, I don't nobody was dying on the ride. They were dying in life. People were fainting left and right because of heat stroke. And I'm like, mm, drink some water. And, you know, people were fainting of heat stroke and not not a person to be from the staff to be seen uh, to flag <laughs> down for help. And I was like. I remember because this park is employed by a bunch of high school students uh, <laughs> who should not be responsible for the well-being and safety of anybody. Um, but, you know, we survived. I survived to tell another tale, to, 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 to live another day. I could technically go back every single day. Um, the past does include free parking. So if there's ever a... There's a girl who looks like me and wants to go to Six Flags before Labor Day. Hit me up. I'll just give it to you. Han, and you you want to go? Like, I was about to say, you don't even have to look like you. You can just like I, Honestly, those, they do not get paid enough to care. And I, <laughs> I do respect that. Um, and again, this is not Disneyland. Um, it's just, I, I have to know my limits, you know, yeah. and, and know when to say no. And, and Six Flags really metaphorically and literally kicked my ass. Yeah. So I will say like, last time I went was probably five years ago. I don't know if I can handle roller coasters at, like at at my age now, um, and I don't know if I want to try. Is the thing, and again, like I, I've never experienced this before. It's not the, it's not even like the fear, like oh, I don't like drops or I don't like mm-hmm. spins. It's just like I feel so physically battered from this <laughs> ride. Like my body physically cannot handle the g forces anymore. Um, and that is a that is a new experience. That is wow. My mortality is right there staring at me. <laughs> Han, are you a roller coaster person? Uh, not the really huge ones, but I do like certain things. I like the ones that twist. Um, mm. And weirdly, I like the Guardians of the Galaxy drop sort of thing. Okay. That's at, um, which is odd because I don't like drops in general, like huge drops. Maybe you just um, need to be distracted by pew pews, right? That'll help. Well, it's, the- <laughs> I, yeah, I also just don't want the like, slow click 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 ascent because anticipation will kill me every time mm. um and then the long long big swoop but like jerking up and down s- seems to be okay uh so yeah <laughs> it, it totally depends but i also don't do let's say teacups because i get motion sick from that so i have to be very picky um <laughs> probably after the guardians of the galaxy i like mr toad's wild ride <laughs> Oh, and that just, one's creepy a in a different, one, yeah. scary in a different way. Right, a lot it's of those Fantasyland rides are like have a scary section that like kids yeah. should not ride on. I mean, you literally go to hell, and then it, and you feel the flames of hell. I was just like, "What the fuck is this?" When I was a kid, <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. But, I've never uh, actually been on the Guardians <laughs> ride, but I do have a very vivid memory of Tower of Terror, um, the Tokyo yeah. Disney Sea version. Yes. Um, because when we went there, we were riding with a family with very small children who I don't think knew what type of ride mm. it was. And so... Wrong. 
afterwards. I mean, they were screaming their head off at the end. When you look at the pictures, you can see like the fear in these two small children. And right next to them, their mother is laughing with glee at the ride. So (laughs) I feel like those children are now traumatized for life. Yeah, it was about, and you know what? Mom has to deal with that trauma. So she did it to herself. And loss of trust, too, because I don't think those kids will ever trust their mother Mm -hmm. again. They're going to have like (laughs) tantrums for anything now that's like because of the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was not wise on her part. Huh. Good times. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> um, yeah. Han, what's popping with you? All right. So I was thinking about it and I saw Asteroid City, but I don't want to talk about that because I didn't like it that much. Oh, um, no. So I'm thinking, you know, try- <laughs> yeah, it's visually. Are nice. you a fan of uh, Wes Anderson movies or are you just like, you don't like that hit or, vibe? hit or miss? Like, I love mm. Fantastic Mr. Fox, uh, <laughs> but those are foxes. I feel like I that's think, more about the animals than yeah, the Wes Anderson I, but I, of it. But I didn't like Isle of Dogs. So you see, there's a there's well, a Isle of Dogs had a lot of different, yeah, that had a lot of that was, issues. That was that was problematic. <laughs> um, this one anyway. So I was like, well, what among the five to six K dramas and the one Thai drama should I pick to talk about that I've been currently watching? So I'm picking my favorite one right now. It's uh, actually ongoing on Netflix. It's called See You in My Nineteenth Life. Um, it stars the lady from Mr. Queen and it stars the guy who's been in a ton of things, including Itaewon class and, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, her private life. And he's been in a ton of other things. Um, my name also. Um, but anyway, it's basically about a, a woman who every, um, uh, life at around age nine, she or he ends up remembering all of a sudden their previous lives, which, you know, causes a lot of dissonance and sort of freaking out for this child. Um, but what what the actual conflict is this time around is that um, in her 18th life, she was a child and she died young. Um, and so by the time she got reincarnated to this current life, the 19th, she's able to actually catch up with the guy that she had a uh, she had a sort of like a childhood loving relationship with um, because he was actually younger than her at the time. So she was like 12. He was like 10. I don't know what the age range really was, but that you get the idea. So by this time around, she catches up. Um, and so he's maybe 10 years older. So not too big of an age gap, but still she has the wisdom of decades and centuries. So it's fine. Um, but because she it's remembers. twilight Yeah. But because <laughs> she remembers her previous lives, she also remembers a lot of her previous skills, which actually is kind of fun. So you see her like break out flamenco for some reason. She know she apparently invented soju. Um, she used to be a uh, circus acrobat. Uh, she knows Spanish, just a bunch of other things. Um, and of course, she talks a little weird every now and then because she'd be like, oh, I remember when I was like fighting the J- Japanese or whatever. And people are like, oh, she's like, I read that in a book. <laughs> so it's totally cheesy at times. Um, but it's also incredibly heartwarming. There's, of course, trauma involved because she did die as a child um, in her previous life. And, of course, other lives are similarly, you know, warlike and things like that. Um, but it's actually pretty funny, too. And I think it's one of the few shows currently I'm watching right now that actually just makes me think a little bit. Um, sort of um, dovetailing with what our subject is going to be. Um there's, of course, a lot of talk about fate and sort of like reincarnation, who you're destined to 
run into and connecting with. And um, so I have definitely heard the word inyun many times <laughs> throughout all my K-dramas. But also recently, of course, I'm noticing it more because of uh, what we will be talking about, which is past lives. So, um, yeah, it's currently, I think, two episodes every weekend drops. And it's only going to be 12 episodes total. I think we're about halfway through. So there is time to catch up if you are interested in that. Yeah. I feel like reincarnation, time travel, past lives is like, it's a trope that's well-worn in like K-drama, C-drama, Taiwanese dramas. And also like webtoons are really, yeah, a lot of well, them are really into that right now. This is, and this is, fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> this is based on a webtoon for sure. I think what is a little bit different is usually we see like one life um, and then them reincarnated or they live for a hundred something years and then we see them reincarnated. Whereas this one, uh, every episode they roll back to a certain type of life. So you'll see like the numbers scroll back and be like third life. And then they will go back to that and then and then flash forward to the current. So this is the first one I've seen where they really kind of visit multiple lives, um, which is kind of fun and makes it a little bit, you know, give it gives it a bit grander sort of epic scale. Yeah. Um, what was so, that yeah. TV series with um, Nikolai Costner while... The, the guy who plays Jamie and Jamie oh. Lannister, where he was like an immortal guy. Yeah, it was, it had the same name as something else that. New Amsterdam. What? That was New one, Amsterdam. Right? Or Amsterdam. Was, one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's New Amsterdam um, and there's Amsterdam, which is like a doctor show, right? No, I think it had the same name. New, New, New Amsterdam is the, the res, is, is the doctor show with Matt Chersky. Um, I don't know if I'm. I, I watched time traveling Jamie Lannister. I confuse it with many things um, because there was one where it was, I think it was Ian Gruffold Gr- can't Griffith. die. Yeah, Griffith he, can't die. Yeah. yeah. But he, every time he ca- came back to life, he was naked. Yes. And dropped in the river. Oh, no. right. 2008, New Amsterdam TV yes. series where um, Nikolai Costner Waldo plays Waldo. John Amsterdam, yeah. an NYPD homicide detective who was 400 years old. Yeah, so That's literally it's the same It's the same title as that <laughs> one. It's the but same, yeah. yeah. As the medical show, because I remember when I think I reviewed it, I mentioned that. Yeah. Um, but we are also talking about another show, which I can't remember the title of because it only lasted <laughs> a season. Yeah, it's like Judd Hirsch plays his son, but the son's like really old. Yeah, it, it's great because it's like, Oh, we just get to look forward to him being naked once an episode. But uh, it was—I think a friend of mine called it their folding their laundry show. Yeah. So it's anyways, about as deep just as saying that. <laughs> shows about old souls, tales yes. old as yes. time, and always. I feel like it's it's a very versatile like trope um, mm-hmm. that can sometimes go creepy, like in Twilight. Yeah, Twilight's really creepy though because like it's not like he got reincarnated and started off as as at one again. Or zero. Um, he really is whatever 400 years old or 300. <laughs> I forgot whatever that was. Whereas with her, you know, like, yeah. that, I think the concept, you know, of course, is we're all reincarnating, but she's the only one who, like, remembers. So yeah. it's. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> I also like the fact that, you know, she was, uh, she's different genders. So there is oh. a, you know, so there is a cute moment where her, um, where she comes back, and since she came back so early, um, she actually does find one of her relatives, which was her niece two two lives ago. Um, but now, you know, it's still her niece. But this, so you're getting this older woman who's like in her forties and fifties, calling this younger woman uncle. 
Um, <laughs> and it's a very cute sort of moment there. Um, but yeah, so there's there's a lot of heartfelt stuff, but it's actually pretty funny too. Yeah. Visually also very cool. Looking. <laughs> they cool. do a lot with it. Yeah. So how about you, Marvin? What's popping? <laughs> so um, I've been spending some more time playing some video games. And I know there's some AAA games right now, like... Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, and Final Fantasy 16, but I didn't play any of those. Um, this past weekend, I played a lot of a remake or a, a remaster of a game from 2010 called Ghost Trick Phantom Detective. Um, it was originally released on the Nintendo DS, and I actually tried playing it a year ago when I got a new iPad, but the iOS app is not actually supported anymore, so I actually can't play it anymore, even though I bought it, which, you know, it's a whole separate conversation on the um the longevity of digital media and and who actually owns that content and what that means if it's not supported. But anyways, basically it is a adventure game where you play as an amnesiac ghost who um, is trying to figure out who they are and why they were killed. And as a ghost, they have the ability to manipulate objects in the world as well as the ability to um, travel to four minutes before the death of any person in the world. And so you use these two powers to figure out um, the cause of death for certain key characters. And then you figure out how to prevent their deaths in order to save their lives and further Hmm. um, pursue the mystery of your own death. And the game totally still holds up. Um, it's the remaster is beautiful. Um, the game employs a very um, unique art style. It's like animated, but the characters move in like a rotoscopic fashion. And the writing is just great. It's great mystery writing, and the characters are all very unique. Um, the game is directed by Shu Takumi, who is the creator of the Ace Attorney series. Oh. And if you played those games, you kind of know what you're in for. The characters all have really unique quirks. Um, it's kind of like a sitcom where like they're their idiosyncrasies are like dialed up to 11 and it's, it's really a lot of fun but the real star of this game is actually a one of the characters you meet who is a pomeranian named missile that is just oh. the most to this day one of the most charming characters in video game history in my opinion yeah, um, because just... now this is kind of i guess this is like kind of a content warning there is the dog does die and become a ghost what and that's how you can no! talk to it oh wait it's a no. ghost wait he becomes a character then yeah that you can communicate oh, okay. with Okay. And so this Aww. dog, because the dog is a ghost, you can now talk to it. But the ghost dog still retains dog logic. So it's a really interesting uh, oh, that's cute. dynamic because he, he becomes your ghost dog friend as you go and, and try to solve the mystery. Okay, that's cute. You buried the whole lead. I was like, dog? <laughs> ghost dog. Okay. Yeah. Um, but down. it's a really fun game. It's maybe like 10 hours total game time. So it's not a very long game. And the gameplay is very like, if you like puzzles and you like to like figure things out, Oh, it's like um, it's it'll hit all those buttons because once you figure out like the correct sequence hmm. of events and manipulations, like it feels so good. Have you beat it yet? Is that a beatable game? Yeah, I beat it. I mean, I beat it for the first time like ten years ago when I first played it on iOS, and I just beat it the second time on on the Switch. And I still like to this day, I still feel like it has one of the top ten like plot twists. Like the final yeah. reveal, who you actually are, is like still like <gasps> a dun, plus dun, dun, dun. moment. You're Bruce Willis. Okay. Um. <laughs> kind of. It kind of has like right. Sixth Sense vibes, but you right. know, I don't want to give too much away because I think it's a game definitely worth playing. Um, it's available now on platforms everywhere. I think for twenty nine ninety nine, which is a pretty decent price to pay for like okay. a pretty solid game. So that's what's popping for me. Ignoring all these triple A video games to play a remaster of a game I played ten years ago. Kind of a similar vibe to like you know not watching anything new and just watching like old episodes. Like comfort of, watches. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. Um, but if any of you do plan on playing, I'm very excited for you because you get to experience this story for the first time. Uh, but yeah, that's what's popping for this week. Uh, when we come back, we're talking about past lives. Stick around. Hey, I'm Bill Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace. Hey, Ryan, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know, Robin. Two nuns having a chainsaw fight? Dude, inappropriate. Come on, man. This is supposed to be a podcast promo for our secret underground podcast, Quarantine Comics. Oh, yes. Quarantine Comics, the weekly comic book club where I, ace reporter Ryan Joe, and I, mild-mannered Robin Sutton, team up to discuss some of comics' greatest works. Or just some really cool comics that we've been wanting to read. From Alan Moore to Uzumaki. From Arrakis to Zendaya. From Adrian Tomine to Jean Lun Yang. You might not have heard of half the stuff that we're reading. Or the other half is just pop culture superhero stuff. They could just read the books with us, right? Yes, they could do that, but you could also just send us money. No, Ryan, that's not how passion podcast projects work. Why in the hell are we even doing this? Uh, I'm sure we'll be back by next week's episode. <clears throat> so, tune in each week to Quarantine Comics. That's qtdcomics.com. Set phasers to fun. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this episode, we're talking about Past Lives, the new A24 romantic drama film written and directed by Sling Song and starring Greta Lee and Tao Yu as Nang Young or Nora and Sung, two childhood friends who are separated when Nora moves away from Korea to America and reconnects 24 years later in New York. Uh, the film also stars John Magaro as Nora's husband, Arthur, who has to deal with um, the drama of watching his wife reunite with her childhood friend slash crush. Um, this is a film that's been getting a lot of buzz, especially within the community as like, you know, it's kind of this year's Sundance Darling. And, you know, a lot of people that we all know have strong opinions one way or the other about this film. But um, I guess um, to start off, what did we all think of past lives? So I'm one of the uh, adherents here. I absolutely loved it. Um, it is a vibe. And I think that might be the thing that maybe people love or hate or dislike about it. Um, it is a quieter sort of like very deliberately paced and, and created film. So that means, you know, the dialogue is fairly precise. So are these silences, which some people like find very annoying. I loved it. Um, I kind of just sort of sank into my chair and was just like there for the whole thing. So if, if, you know, um, whatever the, characters were doing if there was nothing going on on screen uh just the look of it the sound the music uh i was all for it and um it's it's one of those films that i think you kind of have to be into it to like actually enjoy it i could see how like let's say if i was 
doing something else or if I was distracted or not in the mood, it might be hard to kind of like be into. But it, it got me at a good time, I think. Um, and I like the fact that it is, you know, basically a two hander. You know, it's it's all about the conversations between these two people and sort of that builds out attention until it becomes a three hander with Arthur, uh-huh. the husband, who is fantastic um what i liked about it is while it digs into sort of these thoughts about like fate and whether or not people are destined to be together or regrets about what you've done or no regrets um it was actually i found very humorous in a in a sort of that everyday way when things happen you're just like oh that actually is funny without it being like haha you know set up you know with a joke and punchline sort of situation so um yeah, I'm all for it. I've been telling everyone that this is probably one of my favorite films uh, for this year so far, at least as far as my A24 pick for the year um, right now. Who knows? There's still half a year left. But, <laughs> uh, and also, you know, if we're talking about A24 picks, um, like last year, everything, everywhere, all at once, I think there is a through line here. <laughs> so we can talk about that more. But yeah, that was, yeah. That was my feeling. <laughs> Just what do you think? I liked it, which mm-hmm. is not a given because I am not a fan of the artsy India slow yeah. two people just talking movie. Like I don't particularly care for the Sunset series or any of its knockoffs. I feel like every like you know, I've read a lot of scripts, so I feel like like every year Clockwork, I get the that version you know of like two people just connecting and like like 9.5 times it's just fucking boring and i don't give a shit about it (laughs) um so i kind of like i feel like this movie was marketed incorrectly to me i don't see this as a romance movie um and and we'll talk more about that later i think it is very successful and some aspects specifically the character of um Nora or Na Young and like her perspective and I and and I actually love how the movies I feel like the movie centers around her more than it does um what is his name hey sung hey sung so so I don't know maybe and maybe this is just reading to like the very cynical part of me because I experience something to this degree and i do think the re- reason why this movie is so is so effective is because Celine's song hits on something very universal with this very specific thing i think we've all had a question of like the what if or like a divergent path or an x right <laughs> like like the 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 divergent in the the universe branch uh and i think that's just such a human thing and i did enjoy that part but yeah i I'm kind of surprised at the amount of love it's getting. I liked it, which is surprising because, again, I don't typically like these movies. I did not love it. Um, And I actually, my hot take is that I think it would have been a stronger movie if it was not about the romance between um, Sung and Nayang. (laughs) And I have my, like, very cynical, like, like borderline older millennial take on like 
what why like was it hard like you guys didn't the middle section when they're 24 i think is what really like needed to cinch the argument of whether or not they belong together and for me it was very clear that these are not two people who belong together and so when we go through the rest of the journey of 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 their meeting and stuff i'm just like oh none of this is inherently tragic to me or inherently sad i'm just like it was so obvious to me i don't know yeah i mean i definitely feel like it was kind of like an anti-romance right like it was set up as a romance like it has all the pieces and the Mm -hmm. tension but it never became a romance story like this is a story about nora and Song kind of like come to terms with the fact that they are different than what they were when they were younger i think no i think the movie is about choices and the choices that you make throughout your life make you the person you are and it makes you a different person right and i don't know i feel like if this were because it's so grounded as a story right like this is a very true to life scenario that's not too far what what you and i or an audience member could experience themselves like i think when it hinges on a romance for me it's always just like or like this like I think because the problems are self-made, I'm like, I don't understand what the problem <laughs> is. Like, you guys are the problem. And if you wanted to fix this, you could. Or if you wanted to do something, you could. And to me, like, like that always brings me back to like, oh, like, I have very... It's sometimes hard for me to have sympathy for characters who are in control of their own decisions without external factors. <laughs> and like get into their own get in their own way you know what i mean like um and again i think that's just like my very cynical worldview. <laughs> yeah and i'm sure this film hits different depending on the amount of like romance and regret in your life too like how many past relationships did you have like me personally i didn't like i didn't date in high school like i honestly didn't date till i was an adult but i did have crushes but nothing that like was at the intensity of like what Sung and and Nayeon had so I guess, um, I don't know. I feel like that is also a contributing factor. Like for me personally, I think what resonated was like the older you get, the more you have to reflect on, right? The more choices that you think about what could have been, what could have happened. And, you know, the the meeting of these two childhood friends is kind of like allegory for that, right? I mean, I for me, it was, I think it's stronger. The movie is stronger when I see this through a lens of like, self-realization and like that to me the men became metaphors for like a different part of her life like who she would be if she was stayed in korea and didn't emigrate um and like who she is as this new york playwright who like emigrated twice and like chose this life right this very like you could say rather unorthodox life um and it's like Oh, like that's actually really interesting to me. And and there's this one line. The the most effective parts are like when when Greta Lee's character, Nora, is like, I am making these very like certain choices about who I wanna be. And I don't think you see that a lot in a real sense in a lot of movies on with female characters. I think most romances are about being swept up or like doing what you need to do for love, but like you know, that midsection, the 24 section where she's like, I'm here, like I emigrated twice. I'm pursuing this ambition. Like I'm going to be a writer. I have these dreams and I'm not going to like uproot my life to like follow you. And I'm like, 
that's great. I'm so happy for you. And I feel like that is like the best love story in this movie. Like she chooses herself. I well, over, And I don't know if this is like in the spoiler zone, but like. Well, well, we don't need to go f- super far, but I think that line you just talked about was actually one of the things that I really like about this movie is I think everything you said is actually legitimate to this movie, that this is about yes. her choices and the two different paths and alternate realities. So, you know, when they eventually do meet, they do talk about, well, what if, you know, I thought about what if, what if, what if. And, you know, they do think about, let's say they talk about Inyan, which is like sort of the connections you have with people, whether or not. It seems insignificant. It could be more significant in another life or in a past life or things like that if they're talking about reincarnation. But um, it's also like they, it also, the reason why I kept connecting it with everything everywhere all at once is you can also see this as alternate realities. And so you do see the picture of what she would be if she were with Sung, with this very traditional Korean man. And then we see the, the current reality in front of our eyes, which is her life with Arthur. So um, I actually, in some ways, I ended up like after a day, I kept thinking about the movie and I was like, I think this actually made me pretty happy because I tend to kind of hate destiny and fate type of things <laughs> in movies. Um, I know there's like, I hate the idea of the one true love because I was like, well, what if they die? What if you miss them? Whatever, you know? And so this one felt like it was more of like accepting that you're, you're the choices you made is creating your reality now, right? And so I, and but if you wanted to think about an alternate reality, that reality is happening somewhere else. So <laughs> yes. for me, but I like the fact happen. that like, I think it is a really good like kind of comparison to all these like multiverse storylines we're getting where like, no, we don't get a multiverse like you have to <laughs> yeah choose, you know, go down the path uh-huh. you've chosen. But also, I'm also very much like, again, I, I do not believe in soulmates. I do not believe in what yeah, you love. I, I think that. love is a continuous choice you make every day yes. because you don't you don't stay with one person for your lifetime because it's so me. It's just like you choose every day to stay with this person. Like, I truly believe that. Yeah. So I'm just like, oh, like she could also like, and I love the fact that she is this like character with so much agency and like she is centered in this um, love story and in, 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 like her needs, her wants. And just like, you know, like she could have, she could still at this point, they're only 36. That's extremely young. <laughs> she could choose another fact. Like, that's the thing. Like, like I don't know. I, I came out of this movie and being like, oh, like, that doesn't mean anything. Like, who knows? Well, maybe we'll get a sequel like 12 years from now. Like, it's like <laughs> she could choose to do anything she fucking wants. She's 36 years old. Like, I get those fucking viral videos of like 72 year old reunites with his like high school sweetheart. <laughs> I'm just like, you know, it's like not I'm just like none of this was very tragic for me, which I think is like. I don't think it's What's supposed to be tragic. My, I mean, we were just talking like, about like the Before Sunset series and like we and we essentially got three Before Sunset movies in this movie, right? We got yeah. every 12 years yes, like following these characters. Mm-hmm. Yes. We can just, the next sequel could be 12 years from now. <laughs> yeah. I did like the um, the exploration of Inyang and the idea of like if there is fate because that's essentially the like the character that does believe in like fate and run true love is Tao Yu's character who has mm-hmm. such sad boy energy the entire time because he felt like he oh my lost God, his he's chance. So sad. <laughs> I just want to like when he's eating that little sad muffin by himself. I'm just like, oh baby, let me. Mm. He's really good at looking sad, and I will say Tao Yu and 
Greta Lee, fantastic. Like, <laughs> T.O.U., so of good. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Fa- his, his little face, his little <laughs> face just he, says so much without doing anything. I, I'm just like. He is an actor who, obviously, a lot of Korean people know him from his K-dramas and movies and stuff. But it's like, this is one, this is a role I'm really hoping that he gets attention for because I think in some ways he's underrated because he's so, I guess, good looking that in a lot of his films, he plays the good looking guy. Yeah, I mean, this you know? guy was acting with his whole body the entire film. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I interviewed him and my interview, I was totally like, I, I just transcribed it and I was just like, why do I sound like an idiot? And I was like, oh, it's because I was talking to him. So a lot of the questions didn't quite go the way I wanted or whatever. So, but at the same time, I did t- talk to him about his physical acting um, because uh, even when you see, it's in the trailer, when he goes and finally meets Nora, you're just like, this is a Korean man, like traditional Korean man, like his his whole stature, the way his arms were, his face, everything. Um so I did ask him about that and he had a really good answer. Um, but I think the other thing that I like about him is he is a guy who um, he actually had to work on all of his accents here because he was born in Germany. So he speaks German first and then English because he studied acting in America and then then Korean. So he had to make sure his Korean was on point, <laughs> but then also that his English was a little bit more broken than, you know, usual. So Yeah. I remember him being Klaus from um, Soul Searching. Yes, uh, yes. The German... Oh! Uh, 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 what's... Gyopo. Um, <laughs> the, the foreign-born Korean people. Yeah. He's great. Um, and, and I love how basically, like, maybe the only time where you can convincingly play 24 and yeah. 36 <laughs> because everyone's Asian. Like, if they do do that sequel where they're 48, 48. They, they, you would, they would still look the same. I, I mean, think you could push I it to, like, really one more I didn't really buy them at 24-year-olds, though. Like, tail you in a hoodie, I guess, kind of. Like, it reminded me of, like, um, who's the guy from Never Have Ever? Oh, Paxton. Darren Barnett. Yeah, yeah, him playing high school. It's like, I mean, I mean, the little like you know the early two thousands like side sweat bangs that was really cute. Like yeah. you know that is what we used to do. I will what? say I was not expecting an early two thousands period uh, setting in this film. Like the it, Skype sounds and like the early oh, Galaxy the, phone. The Skype was so good. I mean, I the last time I did a Skype call, I even was like, how do I get this to work? Because it was it's been so long, but. It was because uh, someone on Game of Thrones needed it to do an interview <laughs> with me. And I was like, let me look up my password. Um, yeah, uh, the Skype was so on point, especially like the section where it froze up. Oh, it just, yes, the lag. <laughs> yes, it just. Yeah, kids today, man, they don't know. Like Skype was always a pain in the ass it, 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 to like log on. I think that also added an extra level of poignancy Uh Points to the interactions to this person who you're like trying to make a connection with, but you're like can't really speak to them. Um, <laughs> so I thought that was funny, also. Uh, and oh, well, the funny thing is in Korean dramas they play people younger themselves all the time. But what they usually do is when they're younger, they brush their hair forward and make like deep, deep bangs for the dudes. <laughs> um, so this one was a little different for me. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. It's it. I kind of am glad that I went in knowing as little as I did. Like, I watched the trailer, clearly. But I didn't know that there was, like, a 12-year um, connection and then falling out of, you know, out of touch and then 12 yeah. years again. So 
And speaking of like the three-hander, one thing that I didn't expect was to actually like John McCarroll's Arthur. Yeah. Oh my God. That's what I put things I don't like, which is she got <laughs> Celine Song got me rooting for this white man. And I'm just like, Arthur is very lovely. Um, he did make me cringe a little bit in the in the young the younger, but like the grooming got better with age. <laughs> and he's he's just so supportive and so uh, understanding and gives her the space to do what she needs to do and like I think just portrays a really confident model of masculinity and um I mean he's he's he he really is doing everything he can and you could definitely tell he genuinely loves her like that whole monologue about how he can't understand what she dreams about is like oh man this okay <laughs> Arthur like let's let's go I support this I, what I like is um I attended a screening for the film festival, Marvin, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that you were, um, and so there was a Q&A afterwards. And one of the questions was what, like about having Arthur talk to Nora about uh, how basically kind of calling out what the tropes would be, which is he'd be the evil white husband, you know? And But in and of itself, that speech is, uh, Celine pointed out, it's just like, well, the thing is, you know, this shows how smart he is. He knows what his role typically would be. And it's just like, the thing is, you you should be rooting for, well, maybe not rooting against anyone, but, you know, not disliking him because that's the whole point. You know, uh, especially when you know this is loosely based and inspired um, by Celine's own life. So you do think yes. about these people who they marry a white husband, white, white, white wife, Oh my God, I can't say it. White wife. Um, and what would their character be if they just suddenly left them after whatever? So it's kind of like this is showing a very sort of realistic and romantic loyalty to the person you decided to marry. Um, it did start out as a green card marriage, we find out. But, you know, it's, 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 you see why he is, she's with him. He is so lovable. He's so smart and giving and all those things. So I actually ended up liking it because yes, it caused a little conflict in a (laughs) lot of audience members because he had so many laughable moments too. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's why I said this was like an anti-romance or anti-rom-com, right? Because in a more traditional studio romance film, Mm -hmm. he would be like the white guy who just doesn't understand her culture and like wants her to conform. And Taylor Yu's character would be the, one that got away that comes back and like sweeps her away. But that's not that's not what this film is and wants to be, right? This film is much more grounded exploration of that story. I am a little bummed out for her character that, you know, she's gonna find a white man without generational wealth. <laughs> you know. I was hoping and, and there was some like that first scene, one of those early scenes where he's just like crawled onto her like a like a like a like a lizard holding onto a tree. I'm yeah, like, their bed that was gave real me a little small. bit of ick. It's real small, <laughs> but he did win me over. Um, and I think he had one of the funnier moments, some of the funnier moments in the in the film. Very relatable, like the you know having a full ass conversation without taking the headphones off or pausing the Xbox. <laughs> um, and the uh, you know the look on his face when he's like, ah, oh, fuck, this guy's hot. He did have a really good, like he really just sees like, hot this face. man is very yeah. hot. <laughs> yeah, he's oh no, he's hot face. I'm like, we all know, we all know, and he yeah. recognizes. Yeah, there are just so many good moments where I felt like I think that's also why I liked it is his character was so well drawn that it opened me up to a, a an extra dimension that I did not expect. Right. Like we kind of fully expected these 
main two characters to have something. Um, but his like made me think about stuff I didn't and you know, expect to like yeah. I don't know, dive into. So yeah, it was good. Yeah. And Jess, you mentioned this, but this film had a lot of really funny moments. Yeah, it was, you know, life is funny, right? <laughs> um, um again, I do think I will credit Arthur. He gets a lot of great moments. Um, and even just that first scene when like, you know, the people are commenting on this weird trio of folks it's like oh like that's her brother i'm like we've all heard that before um and it's just like it's it is someone this movie in general just felt like something that was so like for us you know like the the Mm -hmm. very intricate things of like asian american or or i guess in this case you know asian american that first gen context but like it's so it's not very obvious Mm -hmm. um and and i think that's not it avoids like every trope about um you know like like there's nothing about her parents and like that's true issues with like <laughs> her pursuing art. There's nothing about, you know, like, oh, she must be a filial. Like it's it's just very human, but through a lens of like a specific immigrant first gen millennial experience, which is I don't think something we see. Yeah. Mm. But yes, also very funny. <laughs> I think the part that tickled me the most was when we were first introduced to um young adult um Hey Song out with his boys and just falling asleep. <laughs> that is literally me when I'm out with my boys at 3 Is that you? Yeah. I, I like how that's the same boys, same venue later, but they all now have to wear bibs because they're wearing suits. Yes. <laughs> I I started out my eating career as a child falling asleep constantly at the dinner table to the point where there's photos of me. And have I done that at lunch, at work sometimes? Maybe. <laughs> Uh, especially if there's a margarita involved. So yeah, uh, yeah. usually nowadays I don't drink that much. So, And I do love that Heysong's boys do call him a dumbass for going to New York just to <laughs> yes! meet his childhood crush. Uh, there, were, there were a few really funny moments with that scene also, which I won't talk about, like giveaway. But yeah, there's so many funny little details that I really enjoyed. All right. So as we um, wrap up our discussion of past lives, um, gotta ask, is past lives good pop absolutely i I think you could tell from the beginning that i'm a huge fan of this movie i think it's just um a thoughtful well-crafted movie considering it's her first uh feature directorial debut of course celine song is a playwright she's directed before so she has a lot of um of control already but for her to be able to translate that to film is a different skill um and i think she did a great job yeah, even though, you know, I don't think I'm in as in love with it as many people are. I do think this is still a really great um, movie that is it's it's a different viewpoint. I think it's, you know, it's a female um, Asian director. It is a movie that's not a superhero movie with a shit ton of CGI. Uh, we get really, really fantastic performances. And again, like this. It's not even like to me it's not even like the most amazing part isn't even like the like the asian american part it mm-hmm. it is really like the female feminist centering of this woman and her desires and her goals in life in this in a movie and i think that's actually pretty amazing and i i i might be on the hot take but like again i think it's great pop but man i really want to see a version of this movie that's only about her and not about their relationship. But I think, you know, that's a different movie. And that might be a Greta Gerwig movie. So, <laughs> which which exists already. So, but very excited to see what Celine Song brings um, on her next feature. Uh, and, and she just seems to have a lot of 
um, maybe it's also just like a generational like peer thing. Like she's probably where I'm at in my <laughs> life. And those are questions my friends and I talk about. So it's really fun to see that reflected in like pop culture and for it to be so well embraced in the larger culture. Yeah. I also think it's good pop. Um, always love it when playwrights do movies because that dialogue's real good when they do it. Um, the dialogue's really good. <laughs> yeah. I will have to, I do have one hot question. Is the is she in is Nora in the movie? Is Nora a good playwright? We hear a little bit of her monologue. You know, it, we need to learn that because I'm also curious if um, Arthur is a good uh, author. Well, his book is called <laughs> yeah, Boner. Like that so. book didn't look good. <laughs> right. It had a Jeff Koons picture on it. So right, none of that was right. like appealing to me. <laughs> um, but maybe we can read. Um, so in real life, you know, Celine Song is married to a. Uh, a, a screenwriter mm-hmm. who's also a writer mm-hmm. and he wrote he, he wrote Challengers the new uh, Lucio the new Zendaya movie mm-hmm. so maybe we need to go like read his book <laughs> like from the library to make that like judgment call if it's like yeah. that you know one to one parallel I mean whether or not Nora's a good playwright I defer to you as a resident theater nerd yeah, like exactly. how was that I'm monologue? not gonna lie what I was hearing in that it didn't sound great and I'm like is she a good playwright <laughs> It's always Maybe hard there's to create a reason. art within art, you know what I mean? But I'm just like, <laughs> Maybe there's a reason a why good... they're stuck in that small East Village apartment. <laughs> Although that's pretty expensive living too, isn't it? I mean, there's still at least a designated like living space, sleeping space kitchen. So they, they're doing okay. <laughs> yeah. And I also, another thing that I really latched onto was just this exploration of like time and space and how diaspora and immigration plays into that. Like how, because she left Korea and made these choices like those affect who you are, your values and what you become. And that disconnect between someone who stayed and someone who left, I thought that was a really interesting thing that this film explored too, that I really, really enjoyed. Yeah. um, I think there's a lot about, you know, you can look into identity when it comes to your choices, but also identity when it even comes to the language choices. I, one of the things that I thought was interesting was, you know, the character of Sung starts learning Mandarin for business purposes, but it's funny because he doesn't start learning English necessarily <laughs> to talk to her. So I thought that was just, hey, that was his choice. And it's one of the uh, moments that sort of helped crystallize, you know, I think each of their characters for me. Uh, but yeah, there's just so much going on. Yeah. Another thing I really enjoyed was the Canadian representation. Yeah. <laughs> she, Toronto she, played a big role. I really Well, not, o- not only that, but since Celine and Nora first, went to Canada before moving to New York. Um, this is something that I noticed in my subtitles uh, was that they use the Canadian spelling of woe, uh, <laughs> which, which is a pet peeve of mine when people write it for American publication. So, <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, past lives playing now. Um, we all think you should watch it. So um, just Han, if you want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? Especially now that, are we are we finally at the end of days for Twitter or like because now there's like a tweet yeah, limit? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's you know that's the death blow. I will I will make a blue sky. Um, so be be on well, Han invite me. Yes, I will <laughs> get back to you on what the handle is next time. I yeah, right now I think maybe just go to my Instagram, which is also anonymous. And at some point I will update it with any other socials. Um, I'm still on Twitter, but I'm not doing anything with it. Uh, 
And yes, there's a blue sky. There's also something called spill. There's also something called threads, which actually some people are annoyed by. So it's going to be a TBD as far as like what our next sort of where we land. Yeah, yeah. I'll try things out. And, you know, but for now, Instagram is probably I'll, I'll try to post more there. I haven't been, but I will try um, starting to make my highlights reels. So um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at Anonymous. You can find me at Marvin on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is mostly food pictures. So, you know, if you're it's good stuff. that, uh, check it out. And you can find our show at Good Pop Club. Don't know where the show Twitter is landing, although I don't really tweet much from there anyway. So maybe it's a moot point. Mm-hmm. Um, we are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts. Um, check out our fellow Potluck Pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, thanks for joining us as we talk about past lives. Um, Asian summer continues next week with Joyride, which I think is like the polar opposite of this film. Um, I'm very excited <laughs> about that. <laughs> so we'll see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. And we're the hosts of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Each month, we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a variety of genres, including contemporary and historical fiction, sci-fi and fantasy, romance and cozy mysteries, and so much more. Our past book club picks have included Pachinko by Minjin Lee, Patron Saints of Nothing by Randy Ribeye, Grace of Kings by Ken Liu, and The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. Every month, we also go through the latest news in Asian American literature, as well as chat with some awesome Asian authors about their works. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com, and you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.